Musical Theater Writer Guy was written and filmed as a YouTube channel series on the traditional and unceded territory of the Muncie Lenape and Canarsie people. Each episode is also released here in podcast form. To learn how you can work with me or to join the Musical Theater Writing Collective, please find out more at michaelraddy.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-R-A-D-I dot com. Enjoy the show. Leading up to writing my show, I was incredibly frustrated. Um, there was the recession. It was happening after 2008. Um, there was a recession. Things had just gotten, I had, I had booked a lot of things. I was doing really good work, like really proud of the shows I was getting. And then, a, you know, like a show that was supposed to go to Broadway and I was going to like have my Broadway debut and all this stuff didn't happen. And so it was, it was hard for a while. I was also turning 30 and thinking, okay, what do I look like? Who am I? What's going on? What's my type? And so it was very exciting to write something that was just me. Welcome back, everyone, to the Writer Real Talk interview series, where I sit down with originating artists of all varieties, not just writers, but yes, writers as well. Today, we have on my very good friend of a decade, Jackie Carnahan. Hi, Jackie. Thank you for being here. Oh my gosh, thank you for asking me, of course. I mean, with the amount that the two of us have talked in our lives, we can we can go on for years. This, this you could is... probably just do the interview for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be no fun. I feel like we should be sitting in my car, though, and we should be driving to Long Island as we do this interview. Yes, profile only. <laughs> so Jackie and I, we met because we were both teaching at a studio on Long Island. And since then, our collaboration has gone through all different types of varieties. Um, and Jackie is a, well, I met Jackie as a teacher, an educator, specifically a dance teacher and musical theater teacher, and also as a performer. But since then, I've known her for so many other things as well, including, you know, the artistic director of a company that puts on a gigantic Broadway concert. What? And also as a writer, a collaborator. But we'll get there later. Um <laughs> But for the audience, would you mind giving us a little bit of sense of who you are and how you identify as an artist? Yeah, totally. I I grew up dancing. First thing I started doing was dancing and then singing with my dad. And once I figured out that you could do both, I thought, wait, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I went to Boston Conservatory for musical theater. Um uh, majored in musical theater, like I said, let's see. Um, and then for like the first 10 years in New York, I was pretty much hitting it hard, auditioning for musicals. Um, I did national tours, some off-Broadway shows, a lot of, a lot of regional shows. Um, and then in 2011, I wrote a one woman show about pursuing musical theater. Yes. My, Mm. my autobiography on so stage, good. if you will. Um, and I perform that show for performing arts students to give them kind of a taste of what it's like to do the thing. Um, and that little show has then blossomed into a lot of different educational events like Arts for Autism that I produce at the Gershwin and uh, many other things that we do, workshops, masterclasses, and all of that. That's like 
there it is in a nutshell. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was very condensed. Yeah, I tried. Yeah. <laughs> for, for those of you keeping score at home, the Gershwin is referring to the Gershwin Theater where Wicked plays on the Broadway. And yeah. there have been how many uh, live concerts at this point? So we've done the show live five times. We did one virtual show during the pandemic. So it should be seven. One year we skipped entirely. Next year we had to do virtual. Then we were finally back in person last June. Yes. Ah, So it started seven years ago. Yeah. My goodness. Time Mm -hmm. really moves way too fast. Um. Well, great. Thank you again uh, for, for coming on in. We're going to dive into some fun questions here before we get to our main topic, or should I say topics? Because we've got a few picked out. We'll see where conversation takes us. Um, but uh, my, my first question for you is, uh, since this is a writer-focused channel, yeah, totally. is there a musical, I think I also know the answer to this, but uh, is there a musical theater writer or the work of a particular writer or writing team that you gravitate toward the most as an artist? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm going to sound like a complete cliche because any actor who is a singer wants to do Sondheim. Well, of course. <laughs> That's just how it is. Um, so, I mean, when it comes to true musical theater, I would say that he is definitely my favorite composer to sing, to do, mm. to act. Um, but, I mean, they all have some great songs. Come on. You know, um, Stephen Schwartz is an incredible person and gave me one of my biggest shows I got to do. So I've got to call him out um, as an incredible writer. What was that show? Um, I did The Baker's Wife. And that yeah. was at? Hey, at Paper Mill. Paper Mill? Yeah, at Paper Mill. And he just was a guest at Arts for Autism last June. So that relationship, that was in 2005 that I did The Baker's Wife at Paper Mill. And then we did it a few years later at the York Theater. Um, so that was like my first off-Broadway show, which was really cool. Um, and then all these years later, he was so generous to come and play at the Gershwin for Arts for Autism with us on stage. So definitely Thanks. have to give some love to Steven. <laughs> must. Oh my God. Yeah. That was such a magical moment, Jackie, with, okay. with him at the piano. Oh my God. I just, it was unexpected. I was delighted. He was so generous. You could see in his face as he's playing. He's just giving to the singers. He was, he was thrilled to be there. Yeah. He told me backstage, he said, I need to do more of this. This is, this is really what it's about. Wow. It he seems like such nice. a sweet human. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah. And you, you've also uh, performed in uh, Stephen Sondheim's work as well, right? Professor? Yes, I did a little night music. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. was that was down south somewhere, right? Yeah, that was at Baltimore Center Stage. Baltimore okay. Center Stage. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did night music there. Um, I don't think, have I done it? <laughs> that's sad to say that he's my favorite composer and that's the only one I've done professionally, but I think it is. I did Anyone Can Whistle at Boss Conservatory, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure that might be the only two I've actually done. Well, Gotta work on that. Gotta work on that. You know, but this is a thing. This is a trend I've noticed with performers and writers both. So, you know, I, it's no secret on this channel. Stephen Sondheim is my favorite of the yeah, writers for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. But I've never been in a Sondheim show. 
It's so weird, right? Well, they don't they don't they don't get done as much. They don't. Right. Well, yeah. except for Broadway right now. Right now. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's not as common. Um I want to give a shout out to Lucy Simon too for writing like the best role I've ever played. How about that? <laughs> that is yeah, okay. And what was that role? <laughs> Martha in Secret Garden. There it is. I mean, how can yeah. <laughs> that is such a good role. Yeah. And thank you, yeah, for strong female huge big song yeah yeah oh i love it i love it these are such wonderful writers to be talking about and wonderful shows um and if we have time maybe i'll pick your brain a little bit more about being in night music because that's a hard show oh yeah yeah we could talk about that um (laughs) but i want to move to so this is a two-sided question and (laughs) i know you talk about this at least in a certain context in your one woman show Mm-hmm. But it has been, I think, several several years since the current end of that show, right? Where does that mm-hmm. show end in your timeline? The show ends with producing Arts for Autism. The first time? The first time. Okay. Yeah. It kind of becomes, you because Arts for Autism is something that I produce every year, it sort of feels like a fresh ending every time because it's a current thing that happens all the time but but when it happened the first time is when I changed the ending got it right yeah so yeah. it's been several years since you made that change yeah um so yeah. the the two sides of this question are what have you seen as being your greatest challenge thus far in your career and you can take all aspects of your career or you can focus it and mm-hmm. what on the other side have you seen as your greatest success? Hmm. I think that probably what I'm going to say is my greatest challenge in life, because I think that our lives mirror our careers, our careers mirror our lives. And it's uh, the issue of control. I think um, I, you know, I think it has maybe something to do with starting out as a dancer. I very much was brought up to believe that if you just do all the right things and you work hard enough and you learn all of the techniques and you do, you know, like you take the next step, that then the results will be what they should be, right? And I think that's something that's hard for any actor is that's not always the case. You know, you can give the best audition of your life and not get it. And that can happen over and over again. And that I think was is was the hardest thing for me is the lack of control that Mm -hmm. I couldn't just force it to happen for myself, you know, certain shows, certain milestones. Um, So that I think, but then what's interesting about it is that I think that that independence that I was seeking became my greatest strength because then I wrote my own show and started producing my own work because I was so over it. Yeah. <laughs> you know um yeah so yeah you know you can only get told like oh my gosh you were amazing but they went with someone who was blank <laughs> so many times until you're like how would I just be amazing doing what's right for me yeah oh boy okay so I guess there's several things about this because that's you bring up fantastic points here I think that the the control conversation is going to resonate highly with the writers in the audience as well. Because I, being a performer and a writer, like I see how ridiculously similar these situations are. 
because you can be so talented or you can have such a phenomenal show and yet the no's just keep piling up nonetheless. It's hard. And mm-hmm. also, I, I'd love to talk about the switch. We can talk about it more. We can wait till later. Um, but there are so many writers, I, I think, especially over the past three-ish years of pandemic, mm-hmm. who were performers who said, well, nothing's happening, so... Right. And then wrote their own stuff, mm-hmm. which I love. I think that's fantastic. But that's that's a really big, difficult, and also exciting and elating sort of switch to be making. Uh, what did it feel like to make that decision? For me? Yeah. Um, it felt great, honestly. Um, it... You know, I think that sometimes in these conservatory programs where you get laser focused, you forget, at least I forgot, all the other aspects of my creativity. It was like, I'm doing musicals, that is it. And I didn't allow room for other things, which in a lot of ways I think can be positive because you have to be laser focused to achieve anything in this business. So I don't think that that was a bad thing, but I do think that I forgot that like I used to do creative writing in high school and like I did some like open mics doing poetry in college and was like, you know, my mom is like, you were published in the Boston Conservatory, like little, whatever it was, creative writing short stories book or whatever it was. I'm like, cool. no, not a big deal. Like I was like, shut up, mom, this is not a big deal. You know, but I just kind of like put those other sides of myself to the side. And so um, I was leading up to writing my show. I was incredibly frustrated. Um, there was the recession. Yeah. It was happening after 2008. Um, there was a recession, things had just gotten, I had, I had booked a lot of things. I was doing really good work, like really proud of the shows I was getting. And then, a, you know, like a show that was supposed to go to Broadway and I was going to like have my Broadway debut and all this stuff didn't happen. And so it was, it was hard for a while. I was also turning 30 and thinking, okay, what do I look like? Who am I? What's going mm. on? What's my type? And yeah. so it was very exciting to write something that was just me. And I didn't have to pretend to be anybody else. I didn't have to fit in anybody else's box. It was just me. The songs were in the keys that I wanted. (laughs) I choreographed the dance. I could cut it if I wanted on a day. Like it was just, you know, you know, so, and the process of writing, it was so fun too. It was just creative in a totally different way. And um, yeah, so I know I sounded insane. I think it might have started, I don't know. I think I was dating somebody at the time. And I think I like woke up one day and I was like, I'm writing a book. <laughs> <laughs> they thought I was insane. So like, yeah, I'm writing, I'm doing something. And then over the course of that summer, it turned into what it then became. I didn't know what the idea was. It went from like a book to like Jackie's Cabaret Happy Hour, where I was going to like have guests and just like sing fun songs. It wasn't going to have a story at all. And then finally it became what it became. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's real. That's what it's all about, though. That whole like something here needs to change. I you you yeah. still wanted to tell stories, and you just found a new avenue to do it that made you happier. Yeah. Brought in more of your creativity, made you feel mm-hmm. more free, and yeah. ultimately led well, you to so much more. Yeah, and it created a job for me because that was also the goal. I really had a very specific goal with this show in mind. I, you know, we're doing all kinds of free stuff, free, free, which is oh great. God. Everybody needs actors to help them with their work. And all of that is wonderful. I, I, you know, I've still done it past this time, you know, of course. But at that point in my life, I was like, I have put in so much time, so much dedication. I want to get paid for my art. Like, I just want to get paid. And so I had a very specific process to what I was writing and who I was writing it for. Mm -hmm. Right. And who is the audience? Oh, go so ahead. Student, yeah, so students, so like like perspective, stu- like musical theater performers. So like we do anything from middle school through high school, drama groups, choirs, dancers, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I do want to give a shout out to two musical theater writers who were influential in helping me with the show. Actually, Tim Rosser was the first at the time, music director type person who I went to to say I'm writing this show. And I really have to give him credit because he was very, he, you know, such a great guy. And he was really honest with me. He was like, Jackie, I don't think I'm the right person to write this with you. Hmm. You know, That's a and skill was, to know that. Yeah. And it was really, really kind and honest of him just be like, you know what? I just don't think that I can help you do what you need to do. Right. So then I took it to Barbara and Selmy who I'm sure people know from It Should Have Been You. And she was the one that turned it into the story that it needed to be as far as she asked the right questions. She's, you know, the first thing she said to me was, well, how did you end up in this moment? Tell me a story. Yeah, yeah. And that was the first thing I needed. You know, I told her this one first story and she goes, okay, more of that. Let's put that in the show. Uh. Okay, so there there are so many things about this that I love. Two things I want to just like point out for for the audience playing at home is number one, it, Jackie wrote and performs a solo show, but did not do it alone. Like this still does not happen in a bubble, no matter what, right? No, it's all about that collaboration piece. Yeah, and then also, I, I've not heard you at any point in the story thus far question whether or not you could be a writer. <laughs> I have questioned whether I could be a writer a lot. I think that this particular project, to be honest, I did not define myself as a writer until like you and I started writing a little bit a few years ago yeah I don't know what it was I think I just thought like well I'm just I'm just doing my story like it's it's about me so it didn't feel like writing (laughs) wow you I don't know you took your life story and (laughs) with help shaped it into an actual show yeah like with with through line and everything and didn't consider yourself a writer wow true yeah Imposter True. syndrome is is a lot, isn't it? Yeah, and you know what, though? It's funny. Like, I don't think I really felt bad about it, necessarily. I was just like, oh, but that's just my show. Hmm. 
I don't know. I don't know. That's so fascinating. Maybe because I was like, well, I'm not writing dialogue because I'm just talking how I would talk. Huh. Yeah. Which is why when you and I write together, the only way I can write is if I act like I'm playing the character and say it out loud. I legit do the same thing. I can't think of words if I'm not saying it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, even when I write alone, like I'm just talking to myself in my room. My roommate. Right. Like, okay. In there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. Me and my yeah. Um, yeah. Huh. I love that. What what a wonderful oh. and rich answer. Yes. I also just want to give a little credit to to Brian Hargrove. Um, he was I don't know. Caroline in the City. Uh, he co-wrote It Should Have Been You with Barbara. Okay. He came in at the very end of our writing process and helped restructure the order of the show. And really, you know, the two that he really shaped like how it hits the climax at the right point and what happens next. Like he he just kind of like went like, well, this goes here, da 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 da. <laughs> you know, yeah. We love having that outside, like, dramaturgical eye to come in and be like, ha, just a little shushing. Um, And I remember seeing your show for the first time and Mm -hmm. just how delighted I was by the story beats. Like, when, I won't give anything away because people should see your show. Um, (laughs) When are you doing it again? It's definitely for kids. You know, it's definitely for kids. It's not the kind of thing that I would go out in New York City and, like, do it at 54 Below or something I, you know, it's a little, but it's right for who we do it for, though. Sure. I don't know. Do you think that? I don't know. Well, <laughs> okay. That's an interesting <laughs> thought because it was definitely built for that audience. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I see why. However, <laughs> like as a uh, an artist in their 20s at the time I saw your show, mm-hmm. like I still very much connected to, to the thing. And also your story is not my story. Like I connect to your story very highly. But we're it's still different enough, and I I didn't exactly know where it was going, even though I knew you quite well when I saw it. So like when the floor <laughs> drops out from under you, uh-huh. like that's still a ouch moment in my heart. Yeah. Plus, I don't know. I I don't think it's written just for kids. You I know, I've had a couple it, friends say I have I've had a couple friends say, oh yeah, you just need to like throw in a couple f bombs, and then it'll be for adults. <laughs> legit though, it's like. <laughs> It's like the the Jackie After Hours version. Right, right. Yeah. They're like, it's just like squeaky clean, which is what it should be. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting, though. Like, I've been in the room when these groups with all of their adult tour guides and chaperones and parents are watching your show. And Jackie, everybody's enraptured. The parents love it. Yeah. Especially the older I get because we're like the same age now. (laughs) like the age of the parents. <laughs> Life happens, things change. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely answer. Thank you for all of that. Um, I'm going to tweak this question a little bit because you do so many things and you wear so many different hats, but do you have a, I'm going to say a performance, whether you were on stage or not, do you have a performance in your career that you are most proud of being a part of? Proud of being a part of or proud of like? hmm. Being a part of or doing or creating or making happen. 
Mm, you know, it's hard to decide. I feel that overall, I was very lucky with the shows I got to do. Mm. I was really proud of the kinds of shows I got to do. Um, you know, nothing wrong with Grease and those kinds of like fun, poppy, silly shows, you know, nothing wrong, so fun. But I was just really lucky. I got lots of artsy stuff, <laughs> you know? Um, so like, you know, I mean, one of the first big things I got to do is The Baker's Wife with Alice Ripley, Max von Essen, all these like wild people. I met um, my mentor slash close friend for all of time, Gay Marshall, doing that show. Um, so there's that. And then, you know, night music with the cast that we had was so wonderful and also so hard. You know, I mean, you're getting to do Sondheim. Um, and then I think... I think that as far as I want to say, I do want to mention the most fun I've ever had on stage was in Crazy For You. Okay. I know. It's like unexpected. I just, because I love to tap and I just tapped my little face off in that show and it was the most fun I've ever had on stage. Um, and then... I was part of the development of one of one of two Pride and Prejudices. Yes. And I was really, really proud of getting to work on that project just because it was really fun to do a role that nobody else had done before. Mm. You know, and it was just a role that was so me, too. So it just made it it made it really fun to work on that. Oh, yeah. I always forget about the Pride and Prejudice piece until you bring it back up. But yeah, I mean, getting to originate something. Yeah. There's nothing quite like it. Yeah. Even like putting your stamp on the story. Yeah. And it was, the music was beautiful. Talk about beautiful, beautiful, lush writing. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, and Donalyn Champlin was playing Jane Austen. I mean, you can't get better than having her in a cast with you, you know? So um, I guess that's what I mean, is that a lot of the things I got to do were just really beautiful, lush, legit singing, you know, with these like really incredible caliber casts. Um, so yeah, those are the standouts. Those are great. I have to ask, I don't think I've ever asked you this before. What draws you, because I know that you're drawn to, to the, to the lush classical sounding musicals that have, you know, more, I hate to use the word depth, but they're, they're deeper than fun, right? They're fun plus so much more. Hmm. What is it that draws you in that direction? It's a great question. I don't really know. I think Part of it, hands down, just has to be how my voice is built. Mm. Like, I just, like, can't go to a Rock of Ages audition. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just, can't go. Um, so I think, you know, we always like things that we're good at. Mm. Um, and I think there has to be also some kind of, like, classical music um, I, I listened to lots of classical music as a kid. I was exposed to like 
to, to that, I think through ballet at first oh, when I was yeah. very young. I mean, I remember listening to like Scheherazade when I was five, like, you know, like, so I think, I think there's some kind of, um, and I remember that kind of music being so imaginative for me. I would imagine dances like choreographed dances before I was a dancer. I was very, very young to these classical pieces. So it has to have something to do with that. Wow, that is very interesting. My brain was clicking through like old conversations we've had where you said similar things, but I think without actually hitting on that point directly. Yeah, I've never really thought about it, to be honest, but I do think that there's just something in me that responds to that big orchestral sound. It just mm -hmm. makes my heart like huh, sore. So, yeah, yeah, mine too. I mean, my God, I love it. Well, you know how I write, get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. It's my jam. Not that I'm not fun. I mean, I love a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear. This is very true. I'm this not saying so I'm true. not like serious Sally here. I'm really not. <laughs> <laughs> to, like to the point, friends, where Jackie and I are just cracking up in, in Long Island traffic for hours on our way to and from work. Like her her storytelling prowess is fantastic <laughs> and her love of fun just keeps it all so delightful. Yeah, um, you. <laughs> you are funny. You're a funny person. <laughs> um, and then uh, one more before we start chatting a little bit more about our main topics. Uh, is there... A particular musical, it could be stage or if you saw it in a movie, uh, that you recall making a tremendous impression on you when you were young, like that that thing that's that either made you like have the light bulb moment of, oh, this is a thing, or mm -hmm. I want to do that thing or something similar. Hmm. I'm trying to think, you know, when I was young, if there was that one Young is in quotes. Well, um, I mean, I was very, I just like wanted to do it. Hmm. I, you know, my mom always made a joke that if we went to a parade, Jackie didn't want to watch the parade. She wanted to be in the parade. <laughs> you know? And so I think, cause I mean, so much of my young life was about dance. Mm -hmm. Um, and then my first musical was The Sound of Music. And I mean, that movie, Julie Andrews, all of it, you know, that was like a big, made a big impression on me. <laughs> Still love that show. It's so great. Um, and, but I do think that there was another side of me because I just, I loved singing so much. I loved dancing so much. And I do think that there was already a side of me that was such a technician and such a like, mm goal setting type person I remember being like 10 and being like you know I have these skills <laughs> like I have these skills and I think that this could be something I could do that makes so much sense to me like yeah 100%. like I think there was also this like logical part of my brain that was like well you know, I can do all those things. Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, and you know, I have to say that is, I don't know if people point this out or praise this enough for you, but to know what you're good at and just be be comfortable saying that is such a skill that we all need to have. And I've always admired that you could do that. Like, oh, well, I have, I have to constantly. Well, I have to constantly remind myself, like, remember that you had confidence when you were 10? Like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, no. Then the world goes and beats you up. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> Resilience yeah. is is tough in this business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, and you, you've always been a go-getter. Um, there, I, I do, you don't have to tell it, but I do love that story of uh, you you and uh making your way to to get to a certain school at a certain mm. time in your life that is mm-hmm. a story we, we can tell another day if we want to mm-hmm. but like I do admire so much that you you've got these big goals you've got these big dreams and you're like great so how do I do it what yeah I'm gonna figure it yeah. out well there's that control again like mm. <laughs> you know if you're telling me that I can't do it I'm just gonna figure out how <laughs> And that is such a gift to be able to think that way. Yeah. I love it. I love it. We all need that. Yeah. We do. Mm -hmm. We do. Mm -hmm. So we've kind of hit on this topic already. So so let's just lean in a little more here about um, the way that your perspective on, on theater, on the business, on the roles in theater how the whole thing operates have just changed over time because of the various uh, roles that you have had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that being on the other side of the table um, as a producer specifically really opened my eyes to how much is going on mm-hmm. that the actors have no idea what is you know, it's just <laughs> the amount that is going on <laughs> um, uh, really, really opened my eyes. And I want to say as a producer and also someone that em- like employs people too, it shifted how I am an employee. You know, mm-hmm. it shifted how I am an actor because it r- taught me, and I'm not saying that every producer is amazing and wonderful and not making mistakes. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to sit here and, you know, make actors feel like I'm saying, just shut up and do your work. Cause that's not at all <laughs> what I mean. Um, but it does, it did really um, teach me that, You have a specific purpose in this Mm -hmm. process. Your job is to do that specific process, you know, part of it as well as you can. There are 10 gajillion things that are happening that are not about you. And so they really just want you to show up and do your work. And that's it. And, and, and stop worrying so much about your own self and what's going on because it's not about you. It is, it is. Can't do it without you. Cannot. You know, I mean, actors are amazing. Dancers are, I mean, you know, that job is freaking hard and we all know there'd be no show without them. Um, But overall, I mean, I at least am trying to always do my best and to be as 
clear as possible, as organized as possible. But there is so much that goes on that you just, it's unimaginable. Once you're finally on that other side, you're, it's really kind of overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. I'm putting a pin in a couple of things you said, but uh, to kind of follow up on that, for, for those who have not yet been on the other side of the table in any capacity, let alone a predisorial capacity, could you give a, a sense of like what other things are on the plate? What other things are are you thinking about or do you have to think about or take into mind or maybe mm-hmm. dealing with, but also have to go to rehearsal? Yeah. I mean, I think it's also different because I only have experience producing these one-off benefits, right? I mean, I produce my own show and and things like that. But as far as an actual production, you know, I do these one-day events. And so it's, um, I think, put, could potentially be a little bit at a higher stress level than it might be if you had a dedicated team that was, you know, doing in it for the long haul. Um, but you know, you have to manage tons of people. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to hope that people want to be a part of the process. So you're managing 10 million different kinds of personalities. Um, You know, you're trying to keep everybody happy. And also you're trying to budget. The budget is incredibly difficult on Broadway. It is so expensive. Um, (laughs) And um yeah, so sorry, I don't know if I'm answering your question. Uh, you are you absolutely. Okay. <laughs> what was it? Okay, like what else you're thinking about, right? What oh, are I the other considerations? About, you're thinking about literally everything. I mean, you're thinking about, you know, you have to hire everyone. Mm-hmm. You have to hire everyone. Yeah. So you know, I'm hiring a music director, a director, an associate director, a um, cop- copyist, a you know, orchestrators, arrangers, musicians. Um, you're dealing with whatever team works at the theater you're using. So we use the Gershwin. So we're you know we we're talking to three two one management and all of their team. And so there's their technical team, their lighting, their did did. There's all of those people. Um, and then for us, you know, I'm dealing with the students that are coming to perform and their teachers and their parents and like their choreographers and we're doing you know we're working on their pieces and their costumes and their this and their song choices and then you're thinking about the order of the show and the flow of the show then you got to get a host and then you haven't even gotten a single Broadway performer to be on stage yet so then you have to you know to reach out to all of those people and pray they say yes and they don't get sick and they da 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 you know like So it's just the amount of people that you need to get together for one goal on one day and everybody be on board and thrilled to be there. It is a lot. Yeah. Then you got to sell the tickets and make the program and then da, 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 and then you got to advertise and you got to do like it's just the list just goes on and on and on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right that it is potentially higher stress and harder than a major show, like long running show, because you are the jobs you just mentioned. There are people I know, like I do all. Like like you are a producer, you're a company manager, you are a general manager, you are a marketing team, you you are like you are delegating only all that you can, but only the things that you know will go well if delegated. 
Oh, right. plus you're, yeah, you're ordering the show. You're making sure that the quality control is there. Like, hmm. Yeah. So yes, and I thought, it, and, you're doing great. And then, and then I, and then I'm in the show. <laughs> and then you're in the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, it's a lot. And that, and so you know, taking on all of that and realizing what is going on removed any sort of it just softened my approach to anyone who's producing directing etc on the one hand it softened on the other hand I think when I see things going really poorly it hardened it you know it it, it made me think like actually no you need to get it together (laughs) and I do my best I mean I don't I didn't have any experience on how to do this kind of thing I literally figured it out on my own on on, like through through doing Uh so I know I've made mistakes you know We we, we all do we all do and so you know you just do the best you can with what you have to work with and you try to be as kind and respectful as you can during the process of course yeah uh not not to (laughs) i'm not diminishing writers jobs when i say this but like listening to the amount of things that have to fall into place for you to have taken an idea of a concert and made that concert a reality it just makes me like for a moment have perspective on the writing piece and be like oh you can sit down and you can write 10 pages like that is that's a dream that's not like you just have to go to your computer and do it like <laughs> you know um because wh- yeah what you're talking about is at a gigantic scale in order to yeah. tell a story to a specific audience for a specific cause and that is like niching down but at the highest level of performance and that is commendable totally commendable we try we do our best and I will say the team that we had last year really really I I love them and they're back I'm really excited they're back yeah so I feel like we really found our stride with it with a team that feels committed to the process and so maybe there won't be as much changeover, as much learning curve in the future. We'll see one day show people can't commit for their lives, but hopefully they will for a while, you know? So, yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. What a, last year I, I told this to you right after the show, but I said that was, that was one of my top two favorite concerts. I just thought it was so smooth and wonderful. The storytelling was lovely. Like I, I just, I was in for the ride and enjoying myself and also got to see some of the behind the scenes of the process the day before and everything just, it felt good. It felt good. good. Yeah, it did. It did. It was a journey to get there, but it did. It felt good. (laughs) It's always a journey. Uh, (laughs) um, Taking the pin back out of that thing you said before, when you said um, that, like, thought process that realization for actors of like come in do your job you don't have to think so hard about the rest right um Mm -hmm. what that reminded me of was the first time that I was professionally on the other side of the table as a musical director was so eye-opening about the process like watching auditions 
from the standpoint of like, oh, I'm going to be helping to cast this. Like I understood so much more about how how much do things actually matter matter in the room it's like really nothing matters in the room just like be a nice person who we want to work with come in and we'll hear the potential and you leave like yeah totally mind blown and then Mm -hmm. working with performers from the other side of the table too I, i don't know if you've experienced this but that I was so excited to go back to performing and be in their shoes again because I was like, oh, this can be so much more fun and less stressful than I've made it in the past. <laughs> yes. Yes. The the biggest, this is not exactly what you're talking about, but after doing the one woman show for so long, when I went back in to do any kind of audition, I thought that's it. <laughs> Yeah, like this is like so easy. It's 16 bar. It's a song. One song. Like I now when I perform most of the time, I'm like doing an hour show by myself. And so to do a little audition is like no big deal. No, not at all. And it's fun and it should be fun. Right. Right. You get you get to go do a thing that you enjoy doing for a moment. Right. Yeah, it, it's the rest around it that makes audition the rest, hard, of course. It is. It's the rest around it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, man, you and I haven't talked a lot since uh, I've shifted the way I do my my vocal coaching and added some new things in there. But uh, one of the things I constantly talk about with people who are bringing me stuff for their auditions is like, don't. Don't forget, and the writers, I promise this is going to apply. Don't forget that the thing on the paper is telling part of a story, but you have to tell the full story. But the main thing that we're looking for on the other side of the table is like, who are you in that story? Just like, you tell me a thing that's directly from you, even though you didn't write the words. Mm -hmm. And like... Mm -hmm. That's those are those beautiful moments in the audition room when you see someone come in. They're just like, they're gonna tell you a thing, and you may laugh, you may cry, you you don't know, but you're you're interested because it's taking you on a journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, through. and they may do something in a way that you never heard it. Yeah, before. Mm-hmm. Or in a way that's just like it catches something. Mm-hmm. Like the. I don't, I don't even know what to what to say. I would like that moment when I look up from the paper because mm-hmm. like something caught my ear or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um you had mentioned before. I don't know if you want to get into any of the details of this, but you had mentioned before how expensive it is for something <laughs> on the Broadway. Oh. <laughs> and I think we've all noticed over the past couple of decades the increasing rise of cost of doing this business and that trickles down to audience members and the ticket price. But I would say, and I'd love your perspective on this because you've been doing things during the pandemic. I've noticed that things have gotten worse during the pandemic with cost. And I'd love to just get, get what, what are your thoughts on what's happening, where we headed, what sustainability is like here? Yeah, I mean, great question. Again, you know, we do one event on Broadway a year, so I'm certainly not sitting here like producing 
the next Hades town or whatever. But um, it is wildly expensive. I will just say that. I don't know if actors get that because they've never seen the spreadsheet. But I have. (laughs) And um, it's unbelievable how much it costs. Um, And so I don't know if there is going to be a shift in how we are able to pay for things. You know, I I don't know. New York City real estate. um, This is not to say anything against union crews or anything against a union in any way. But I mean, you know, we pay double time on a Monday at the Gershwin for, um, for our crew. And it's just a concert and it costs more than the theater. It, yeah, that makes sense. It, it, you know, it's, it costs well, you know, way more than the theater. Um, so it's just, it's very expensive. You know, um, I don't know what the plan is. I think that I do see a trend of these, um, limited engagements seem like a trend Mm -hmm. that feels safer. Um, because as a producer, I would, feel much more confident knowing this is it. You get your 12 weeks, buy your ticket now because I want to sell out and I'm not going to wait for you to hum and haw. And, and then when I announce a closing notice, you go buy your ticket that last week. Right. Like, I do think that that is a good strategy that some shows are using Mm -hmm. by saying limited engagement and then extending if they're selling, you know, I think that that, is is actually smart I, you know i don't know if that's what we want i don't know what we want you know um but it's uh it is an issue <laughs> and you know so the limited engagement thing is interesting because pre-pandemic y'all don't quote me on this but i'm pretty sure it was ken davenport's office had done a study on the the recouping rates of star vehicle shows of short engagement shows mm-hmm. in the uh long-running original and long-running based off of a big property and oh, that's interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, these may have been separate studies that i'm just uh shoving together but if if i recall correctly the short engagement shows were not recouping because they are so short like even if it's right, so they- well <laughs> Right, right. I mean, I think with Into the Woods, they they had no set. Like they had, I think it was probably, but they had a star cast. So I have no idea. I don't know. You know, I don't know what they did, but they, they were, were able to star cast. Yeah, yeah, and they were able to extend, extend, and extend to make that money back. Yeah, and to be fair, that started off not as a Broadway show. Right, right. Which. I'm kind of loving this rebirth of that model, like because mm-hmm. this is what the off-Broadway model was originally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing that again. I mean, Merrily had its off-Broadway short run sold out that within had to minutes. Be planned. I then... swear that was planned. <laughs> they knew that. Yeah. They're not putting Harry Potter in a musical off-Broadway without some plans. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think you're probably right. <laughs> Come on. (laughs) But even so, I do think it's like if you are able to do something in that realm, 
which it's so expensive to do theater in New York these days that it's really hard to do something smaller than Broadway with the hopes of transferring to Broadway, right? That's still everyone likes to do the out-of-town route. But I, I would love to see a resurgence of a way to make that sustainable where we yeah. can be doing shows here and then see them move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do not know the answer. I wish you did. Wish you could I'm just sorry. grant us the secret. <laughs> I don't. I really don't know the answer. Yeah. It would be great to see more shows lasting longer in this moment. But alas, we seem to be at a, a period of time where that is tough, particularly yeah. tough. Yeah. I know. I think that we're still in a transition. You know, I think we're still in a transition coming out of the pandemic, which seems strange. But I do think that the just like the the tourism industry in New York is still in a transition. Um, There's just a lot of change that's still happening. And unfortunately, it's happening during this, um, you know, there is a lot of inflation. And so people are watching their money, you know. So I think it's just I do think that Broadway will find its way. I hope so. But there's some growing pains right now. Yeah, and I think they're gonna last for a while because uh, we we are also working under a model that is, you know, it's a good question whether this model was ever financially sustainable to begin with, but. No. Yeah, I mean, everyone loses money. I know, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I will say just for a little optimism that the travel agency that I work with that sells my show is wildly busy. Oh, we are going to have they're going to have their best year yet, probably. Wow. So people are out. People are going. Good. I the amount of tours to New York is lower. So we just need to get New York back on that list of top destinations. It needs to get back on the top destination list. Yeah, we took a big hit with, well, I mean, obviously we took a a really big hit with the beginning of COVID, but I I think that New York's image hasn't quite recovered from that. There needs to be an image recovery, 100%. Yeah. I went to see Kimberly Akimbo last weekend. Loved it. Oh my God. My did heart. you like it? Yes, <laughs> I did. It got me in all the unexpected ways, my feels. And then I was just like, oh my God, I'm rethinking my life. Also, like, great work, everybody. <laughs> yeah, so good. That theater, that was the first time I noticed sitting there and looking around that everyone I could see or hear sounded like they were from New York or the greater New York area. That's good. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so at least we're getting some people commuting back in. Oh yeah, which is nice because mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. not in January. Like, yeah, everything's dead in January. So right. that's okay. Th- that's a thing. Mm-hmm. I have hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I don't think there's a reason to not have hope, but I do think that you know we we just need to keep on keeping on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And speaking of hope, you're someone who I know has found a way to keep po- keep positivity in pretty much everything you do ever all the time. And say all the time. <laughs> well, <laughs> but it fair is enough. we all purpose. have our moments. It is purposeful, yes. It is. And I was just curious, is there anything <clears throat> I don't want to say necessarily advice, but it, 
How how do you manage that for yourself? Especially in this business that is so hard. Like what we do is yeah. really, really difficult. It is. Yeah. And I have my dark days. Let's not, you know, pretend yeah. that I'm yeah. just like blessed with this <laughs> ability to be fine all the time. <laughs> um, but no, I think that what I strive to do is if you are putting out a a positive, authentic self, you're making the world better. Mm-hmm. If you, I just think that if you are the type that's um, going to linger in whatever is going on, you're not really putting good into the world. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot to be upset about, right? Um, there's just been a lot for everyone to be upset about. Um, and I just am trying to kind of like continue to shine a light mm. because I think that that results in more good ultimately. Yeah. It's, it's a very tough thing to balance when like feelings are, are, are valid. Real. Everyone's got totally. big feelings totally. and for good reasons. Totally. Yes. But yeah, I've I've also been thinking about this a lot is how do we then also <laughs> take what we can and make for some sort of positivity in the world or or continue creating, continue doing and connecting. Yeah, I've always felt like I am the type of person that has one foot very solidly in the ground of like what life really is right Mm. the reality right but then an ability to have the other foot in well what if it was better you know in that in that world right of but look at all that is good Mm -hmm. and I think that when you are looking at all that is good and you're living in a place of noticing what's good you're just you're going to make yourself better you're going to make those around you better and you're going to put that positive light and that optimism and that that joy and that hopefulness in the world and all of that is going to make the hard truths better mm. yeah i don't know that's what i try to do you know that's what i try to do because if you're if you're out there constantly focusing on the negative you're not helping. Right. If it never goes beyond. I think that people think they're helping sometimes, but you're often not. (laughs) Yeah. You're not making it better. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, we have these feelings. We recognize the negative. We see what needs changing. So what comes after you have your feeling and what's the next step? And obviously we will have more feelings and we'll come back to this place, but we can't just linger here. Yeah. Um, and I often, and I also try to think very specifically about like your circle. Mm. I think people get really broad and, you know, and that's okay. We're all different. I'm not, this is not the only way, you know, this is just me. <laughs> right. But I think people get really broad with like what they're upset about and what they're, you know, on all the things. And I wonder if you were to focus on the people you see every day, 
Mm-hmm. Community that you're in every day mm-hmm. and the family that you're in every day. And if you just make that your focus and make that good, you're actually doing a lot that is tangible to make the world better. Yep. And it will have an effect beyond what you are actually able to do yourselves, right? Because other people will see what's happening see what you're doing, see the vibe that you have, what your community is doing, and mm-hmm. it radiates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think about this a lot. I mean, this is very similar to what we do, even in the feedback process in the collective, very specifically, after someone shares a piece of work, which is such a vulnerable thing, right? And yeah. Everyone has a lot of feelings about sharing work. <laughs> the first yeah. thing we do after the artist gets to share those feelings, we start with the feelings, is then we all affirm what's good. Like, yeah. here are the things that are working. Here are the things that are go- moving you toward your goal already. Like, take take stock. Here's the good stuff. Yeah. Now from there, mm-hmm. what other questions do you have? And let's right. help you get there. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right? Yeah. So, you know, we, we have to acknowledge the inside, but always with an eye toward that good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is something that you taught me without meaning to teach me. Mm-hmm. The... Because I I had the joy of watching Jackie teach for a long period of time from behind the piano, which was great. But I always very much admired as I was sitting there because I I I was I was taught an environment that was very much like find the negatives, find the negatives, and just watching you be like this loved it, and then like and (laughs) and there was just something about that feeling that I, I remember taking notice of early on and being like, oh, okay. There are other ways to do this. Oh yeah. I mean, I was taught in a very, I mean, no, I had some pretty harsh teachers for sure. Um, wonderful teachers. I think that, you know, you get a lot out of those teachers that expect, you know, yeah. a lot. Um, but there's no reason to be afraid you know, there's no, there's no reason to be afraid and to feel belittled by any kind of teacher or, Mm. you know, anybody in that kind of authoritative position, director, choreographer, any of that. Um, I I think there is zero room for that um, in a creative space. Yeah. So we're all here to do a thing and to do it together. And it's theater. Yeah. (laughs) Could we please just, you know, this is supposed to be a fun day. <laughs> like, let's. It's just a theater show. Like, we got to get it right, but we can do that with kindness and and, and joy. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, what are we here to do? We're here to connect with each other. I know. It's like, do you want people shutting down in your room? No, that's not fun. Because that's a real thing. You see that all the time in rehearsals where it's just rough. And I do not work that way. You know, I think it's like you want vulnerability from your actors. Well, let's not treat them like crap. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Let's not treat anyone like crap. My God. We're all human. We have to remember that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Hmm. Well, after that lovely little deep nugget of a conversation, that was a little, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, this is something I've, I was excited to talk to you about after we had talked about what we might talk about today, because this is something that I've been hearing a lot about and get it feeling a lot of questions from people in the industry um, especially people who are dipping their toe either back in or in for the first time in a professional mm-hmm. capacity. It's like, but like, what's going on? <laughs> and what, like, we see all this negativity. There's been all this stuff that feels just unresolved. So what can we do? Where do we go? And I think it's an important conversation to have that like, you you can do something. You don't need to be the head of an organization to do it you can make positive change. Yeah, I do not have the answer to that. Yeah. No, no one does. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> um, yeah, because I do feel like I have not, um, I mean, you know, I've been doing a few self-tapes here and there. I just, you know, I, I, you know, but I do feel like I'm a little bit dipping the toe back in, like you said. So I'm not super familiar with exactly how it's feeling. Mm-hmm you know, for actors auditioning and being in the room, you know, I haven't, I do have friends that have gone and like done a regional, you know, done some regional shows since we're, we've come back and there have been some interesting stories. Yes. (laughs) Um, so I, yeah, I don't know. I'm hoping that again, I'm just hoping that we're in a transition period that does work out, work itself out. And I think, again, this is like you said, you know, you don't have to go run an organization or whatever, you know, this is a very good example of how I'm just trying in my world of people that I work with and that I hire and that we do, I'm just trying to make that as positive and good and professional as it can be. And hopefully that's me doing my part. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm trying to do the exact same thing. I'm like, right. Like if you, if you vibe with the stuff we're talking about, like, come on in, come join us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that that's the most effective thing you can do unless you're suddenly crowned, you know, president of the Broadway league. (laughs) Like, you know, I'm in. (laughs) what can we do? You know? Um, Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Three wrap-up questions. You ready? Okay. Yes. Okay. First one is Jackie Carnahan. What is your favorite non-musical theater activity? Has nothing to do with musical theater. Oh, anything in water, swimming. Pool? Ocean? Pool. For actual swimming, swimming, pool. Okay. But for like view and sounds, ocean. View and sounds, and that smell of the seawater. Ah, my goodness. Yeah. Okay, that's a good one. <laughs> Is there a story? It could be one that you want to write or one that's been written that you want to tell. But is there a story that you know you really want to do that you have not yet been able to do? Uh, well, the not yet able, I mean, I'm currently writing something that I'm excited about. I don't know if I've told you about it. I'm writing 
a story about the women in my life. And I don't know what it is yet. I very purposefully took the producer hat off when I started to go, let's write an outline. What is this? Huh. You know, I was like, Mah. it started about my Nana. I was doing, I did the artist way several times during the pandemic because it was so long. <laughs> and um, so one day in my morning pages, I heard my Nana's voice in my head and I just started writing this story about her and it has just continued. So yeah, I'm writing that and I'm excited to see what it is. I don't know what it is. Is it a collection of short stories? Is it a play? Is it a memoir? Is it, I don't know. And I'm not deciding. That's beautiful. That's great. What's really fun about it is that when I write in my Nana's voice, it feels like I'm hanging out with her. <laughs> and she's his, she's hysterical. So it's really fun. Oh. You know, I'm like, oh, Nana, you're so funny. As I write. <laughs> you know yeah that's such a beautiful answer jackie uh i love that so much and i can't wait to um hear more about that at some yeah. point when you're willing to share something that's yeah. mm. Mm. we'll see what happens i don't know Indeed. yeah oh all right one more one more is there something that you love or are proud of or just enjoy that you don't get to talk about often? I don't know. <laughs> with this question, people either jump in right away with something or they're like, ah! <laughs> I have no idea what to say. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Say it again. <laughs> is there something you love or are proud of or just simply enjoy that you don't get to talk about often? Gosh, I just don't know. It's true. You're you're pretty open with. Things. I know. Like, <laughs> we do talk about it a lot. You do. <laughs> I got to answer your question in a weird way. I love it. I would say that I, um, I don't know. People don't know. I moved to the Jersey Shore during the pandemic, mm-hmm. and I got weird about social media. I like stopped <laughs> entirely. Mm-hmm. And I have been living an incredibly Instagrammable life. <laughs> like, I'm just like so happy with where I am. And like, it's just very, like, everything around me is so showy offy. Like, it could yeah. be, there's potential to be so like my best life. <laughs> like, cause I'm like at the water all the time and da da da, you know? And so, but I don't. I never post about it. And there's a little part of me that's like kind of sad about that because I could really be showing off. <laughs> but I got weird about, I don't know, maybe I'll rework my my relationship with social media and suddenly you'll see like Jackie in front of water every day. <laughs> but that is something that I would like to talk about more if I didn't get weird about social media. I don't know. That's a great answer. I think that's a fantastic answer because I, I will fully admit to the audience here that I had no idea what kind of best life Jackie was living until I went there last year. You have to year. come see me. Yeah. <laughs> and then like 
she was showing me around. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like every part of my day could be like, and this adorableness and this da da da. Like, it's just like silly. It but is, it's but all, it's wonderful. It's all a secret. It's all a secret. <laughs> no one knows. No one knows. No one's seen it. Yeah. No. <laughs> What a wonderful answer. Jackie, thank you so much for spending time and and bringing your thoughts and your expertise today. I just so appreciate you. Oh my gosh, of course. I feel like there were some things you asked that I'm like, I am no expert here. That's okay. None of us are. (laughs) We're all just doing our best. And thank you for having me and for treating me like a writer, because that is a good reminder. (laughs) even though i'm literally writing a paragraph every morning i'm like i'm not really a writer (laughs) also like we have a show that we're writing that we started so do it we do need to be doing that yeah maybe we can bring all the positivity back to broadway yeah okay with our with our show (laughs) yeah just some that's like all about fun fun and heart and connectivity yeah 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 but thank you and uh would you be so kind as to tell us where they can find more info about you or do you have things for them i have an old-fashioned website (laughs) (laughs) i've had so many conversations with people where they're like well you need to have an instagram that's up to date and i'm like but i have a website they can go to my website (laughs) my god what is your website JackieCarnahan.com. J-A-C-Q-U-E-C-A-R-N-A-H-A-N.com. Love it. And I'll also <laughs> put a link to the uh, Arts for Autism page down below as well. Oh, sure. Great. Yes. Yeah, because, you know, we're going to have new grants to give out. You can get information about all the grants we gave out, which is mm-hmm. really, really cool. So many cool places and people that we were able to give money to this year. Very exciting, even including an off-Broadway show. What? That's awesome. Yeah. Very, very cool. And then now this year, you know, there'll be more That's to give out. fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. All the links will be down below, everybody. I hope you do check out Jackie and all that she does and the positivity that she brings to the world because she really is a shining light. She always has been in my life since I've known her, and I know she will be one continuingly, continuously for all of you if you get to know her, and I hope you do. Aw, so sweet. Thank you all for being here with us today and uh, make sure to like, subscribe, do all those things and we'll see you again for another interview soon. Thank you all for being here with me today and I'll see you again soon. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Musical Theater Writer Guy, available wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to rate and review this show as it really helps others to discover what you already know. And please do share this show far and wide so we may all become an even closer musical theater community.